has been to you. Give him all the praise for his mighty works continually. Look where I have been, were it not for his unchanging grace. Give the Lord the praise for he's truly worthy to be praised. These words that I sing are a testimony of my praise. Who surrenders to the gospel, giving God all the Thanks for tuning into Upward Way Podcast. If you're looking to be spiritually blessed, moved, and inspired, there is no doubt you are in the right place. On our show, guests recount their encounter with Christ and how their lives have been transformed through the grace and love of God. And now, please welcome our host. Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guest today is a multi-talented individual. He's a singer, songwriter, gospel artist, gospel director, personality model, reporter, and stage producer, just to name a few. He's also host of The Gospel Call, creator of Online Gospel College, and president of JL Ministries, LLC. John Lucas Barrett, welcome to The Upward Way. Thank you so much. It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, Marlon. The pleasure is mine just the same. Now, John, could you just tell us when and where your faith journey began? Well, as early as possible, because uh, I was born to Christian parents. My father is a pastor, and my mother is a, a teacher at a Christian school. And so my parents were actually missionaries when they were in their younger days. And so I was born to a family of faith. And so I would say my faith journey began in the womb, actually. <laughs> so I was blessed in, in the fact that I was born to a family of faith and that um my parents were believers and are still believers, and I was able to embrace my faith and my belief in God from a very early age. And I remember actually listening to my father preach um, many sermons, and I was so convicted that I wanted Jesus to be my personal savior from sin from as early as the age of nine. And I think that's when I got baptized. And so that is when this whole walk with Jesus and when I realized that I needed him in my life began. Yes. Pretty awesome. So at the age of nine, you accepted Jesus. That's the age when many children don't even understand much about life. So what was that early experience like? You did mention your parents being missionaries. My early experience with Christ... Uh, I was the last of three children. I have two older brothers, and um, we grew up as, as pastors' kids, as teachers' kids, and there were high expectations, you know, from the community and those around us. But somehow it all makes sense um, whenever we were in God's presence. Like I could just be myself. I didn't need to put on any airs to be anybody else, to impress anyone else, uh, to be who I wasn't. I was just a regular young man, you know, and uh, having challenges like anybody else. And the whole concept of Christianity and loving Jesus and being accepted by him is come as you are, just be who you are. And so that was a really comforting thought for me. And, uh, you know, learning from a very early age, I remember the bedtime Bible stories. I don't know if they still have those series, but <laughs> we had these bedtime Bible stories that would depict in such a beautiful way all the, the stories of the Bible, Daniel in the lion's den and Joseph, the coat of many colors. 
And in my childlike mind, we could so graphically see all these amazing instances where God reached out and touched people's lives and the amazing things that he would do when he touched their lives. And I really wanted that in my life. So um, I know this is probably an overkill for a very simple question. <laughs> but yes, I remember that clearly. And that's when my whole uh, early experience started with Christ, remembering those very simple stories that my parents would tell me before bedtime and wanting that in my life as well. Well, I wouldn't say it's an overkill. You know, there are <laughs> adults who believe that a children's place is just to run up and down and to play, go to their toys and so on. But you were saying that for you, your parents took the time out to share those stories from the Bible. And so I could ask you maybe another question. You know, why is it so important for parents to, to lay that early foundation in terms of the faith? Why is that so important? I tell you, there are no better words than the Bible text that comes to mind. Train up a child in the way he should grow, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. There is just, there's no other way to describe it, like through all the experiences of life. And I've been fortunate um, to always have that, that force that pulls me back, that, you know, recenters me no matter the storms of life that come and go it's that foundation and many christians you know who have an early experience with the lord will also share this experience with you that no matter how many instances there are and and the prodigal son situation also comes to mind no matter what happens you always manage to find your way back home because of you know that background let me just jump on that, would say, prodigal son experience. I'm sure mm. despite that platform that would have been laid, you would have had, you know, challenges. Sometimes we'd say challenges insurmountable. What would have been one of your greatest challenge that you would have faced, whether during your infancy or maybe during your adult life that you had to overcome? And then you could also share, Alyssa, how were you able to overcome that or those challenges? Very poignant questions indeed. <laughs> Well, um, like I said before, you know, growing up as a pastor's child and a teacher's child, there were high expectations. And, you know, being the last of three children, uh, last of three sons, there were always very uh, large shoes to fill. And you don't grow up um, thinking that you are so-and-so's son every day. Some days you just want to be yourself, you know. And so the demands of those expectations can take their, you know, their toll on one. Also, life has a way of, of throwing curveballs. I'm, you know, certain things that take your faith. So I remember coming to Japan and after having been here for a number of years, I don't know if the March 11 disasters is something that you're familiar with, but um, about 10 years ago, uh, we had those, the, the March 11 disasters, the triple disaster of tsunami, earthquake, and um, the nuclear disaster. And when you have those kinds of experiences, they really shake your faith. Uh, and you, you stop to question, one, is, is God aware of all the drama that's taking place in my, right, in my life right now? Does he care? And... You know, why would he allow this to happen? And I suppose we'll talk more about that experience later. But there are things that will shake you to your core every now and again in your Christian experience. And it causes you to question God sometimes. But praise God for praying parents and uh, for the background that we talked about earlier, that it causes you to come back to your center, to find the reason for your belief system. And, and those are the things God reaches into those, those rough experiences and he finds a way to push the clouds aside and give you a ray, a ray of sunshine. And you know through that ray of sunshine that he loves you and that he cares. I hope I've answered your question. 
Yes, indeed, you have. And just to touch a little on the earthquake, it's not for you to get back to that story, at least not just yet. A month or two ago, I, I had my own experience with a, a massive one. Maybe it was a 7.3 or so earthquake, a few weeks shy of the, the 10-year anniversary. It was terrifying. You know, as someone from Jamaica, we also are accustomed to having an earthquake. We are accustomed to the disasters like hurricane per se. I was... 100% terrified. <laughs> so <laughs> let me jump to this particular question. So having had your fifth, you know, challenge tested and so on. So how do you actively pursue your own spiritual growth as a grown adult? That has been a process of um, coming into my own because, you know, I'm now 41, but growing up as a child, as a young man, there was a point where I had to leave the God of my parents and find my God or my own experience with God. And so there was the God that I experienced through my father's sermons or the bedtime Bible stories or the God that I heard about in Sabbath school. But then how would that translate into my adult life and my own uh, you know, daily devotion and that sort of thing. But I can say that those things or that foundation was a good segue into me finding my own personal experience with God. And it's a daily experience. It's a journey, a daily process. I should also say that some of the very rough experiences like uh, the March 11 disasters or challenges, you know, at various points in my life, those rough points were actually some of the, the greatest experiences where I learned to trust God even more. I knew who God was or how passionately He loves me and how much He cares for every single fragment of my life, every, every you know, part of my life. So, through those experiences, I learned to trust God more because I'm a really stubborn person. You know, I, I love doing my own thing. I love going my way and I'm a planner. So, you know, I will be on the train, on the plane, wherever, whenever there is a, a minute, I'll be planning. I'll be on my phone writing memos of things that I want to accomplish and so forth. So when things don't go my way, mercy <laughs> you know so <laughs> the tantrum yes you know um so i i really like when things go my way i like when things go according to plan but you know in my christian experience i've learned that hey god is a much better planner than i am and so in this whole christian journey especially in finding him in my adult years i've had to Learn to let go and let God. Learning to let go and let God. You'd have traveled halfway across the world. Could you just tell us, give us a little insight into how you happen to be in Japan? And then, well, I'll follow up with the work that you are doing here in Japan. So first you could say, you know, what led you? So all of 20 years ago, when I was... Um, about to graduate from university. I attended Northern Caribbean University in Jamaica. Um, I had plans to head to New York to uh, pursue a master's degree in music and media because it was my dream to work in the field of religious broadcasting. And I was a couple weeks out from graduation. I had completed all my coursework and everything. The suitcases were packed and it was just for graduation. And I was going to be out of there heading to New York. The phone rang one morning and it was my university professor, my advisor from my department. And she spoke of the JET program. And she said to me, you know, this the first year, this was back in 2000, this is the first year uh, that Jamaica and Japan will be doing this international um, exchange program. Would you be interested in representing our university, you know, to interview for the program? They're really looking for 
outstanding candidates and so forth. Little did she know that at the time that my bags were already packed for New York. So, um, and I don't know about you guys, but, you know, um, people from my era, we used to watch a show on TV called Oshin. <laughs> and that was like my first introduction to Japan and Japanese culture. So when she mentioned, when she mentioned Japan on the phone, that was what came back to mind. I'm like, that's Oshin's country. You know, my, my mind, my heart was just full of New York, you know, moving to the big city, the bright lights and becoming a fashionable city boy. There was nothing in my plans about Japan. But I discussed it with my parents and they said, well, let's just try the interview. So I did the interview, uh, went through the entire process. And a couple weeks later, they called to say that you were accepted. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Really? Japan? That's when it hit me. And I spoke with my parents again, and we prayed about it. My mother was not having it. She's like, the last of my boys, no, I don't want my baby that far. Don't ask me why she thinks I'm a baby, because I'm a grown man. But uh, my father was, um, you know, he was the, the, the driving force behind the whole idea of coming to Japan. So he said, leave your mother up to me. You should go and just go for at least a year. So that's how we finally got my mom to accept the whole idea. Uh, it will be for a year. So in 2000, 2000, back in July of 2000, I found myself on a plane heading to Japan. And, you know, trying to summarize the past 20 years in this one question is going to be impossible. But <laughs> I can tell you that I now realize hindsight is 2020. Looking back at these 20 years and the whole um, coming to Japan scenario, this was not something that any human could have planned. This was definitely by divine design, you know. Um, now looking at the work that I've done and the, the ministries that we have started and the people we have touched, this was definitely God's plan. And he brought me here all of 20 years ago so that I could learn the language and assimilate into the culture and understand the people that I would be ministering to. Thank God for his divine design. Amen. You, you, you said something that many of us don't really think about. We don't necessarily think about God as the master planner, but you have just hit the nail squarely on the head that God is indeed the master planner. Now, currently in your capacity or in your ministry here in Japan, you are the president of JL Ministries LLC. What is that all about? This company basically is the the driving force or the engine for my ministry. There were many things that led to where I am now. You know, I came to Japan, I taught English for three years. That led me to study and do my master's here in Japan. After that, I worked for a number of years and God led me to live here in Sendai, which is another prefecture, prefecture of Miyagi, and the capital city is Sendai. So this is where I'm based. I've lived here for most of my time in Japan. But this city actually, after coming to Japan, this city started what is known as the Gospel Festival. And it is now the largest gospel festival in Japan. And this is one of, also one of the reasons I, I realized that my coming here was not a coincidence in the least. Through my work with the Sendai Gospel Festival, I got more involved in the gospel ministry scene. I started with one choir uh, with about 10 members. And over the course of 20 years, God has blessed the ministry. And what started as one choir at one church has developed into a nationwide ministry. Uh, we now have 13 choirs uh, spanning the entire archipelago of islands from Hokkaido, Hakodate City, all the way down to Kyushu, uh, Kagoshima City. Um, and we have currently about 300 uh, members or so. So 
God has been so good and, and has blessed the ministry and caused it to flourish. And so the JL Ministries, Godo uh, Gaishor, JL Ministries LLC, is the command central, as I like to call it, for this ministry, for this gospel network of choirs. And that is not all we do. It's also, you know, the home of my professional gospel uh, career as an artist, performing and recording artist. And we are all about uh, sharing the gospel. It is a company, but it is also a ministry. Um, and we are all about sharing the gospel uh, to all the world in this generation. The one word I would say is wow. So you, you came here 20 years ago on the JET program. And for my listeners, that is the Japan Exchange and Teaching Program. So he started out teaching English in Miyagi Prefecture, Sendai City. Now, Japan, as far as my latest research would have unfolded, has a, let's say, 1% Christian population have been able to be integrated, to be um, the, the person in charge of this, this ministry that spans, would say, the entire, as you just mentioned, archipelago of Japan. <laughs> also, you are a gospel recording artist. So I could ask you maybe first, what, what kind of music is it that you produce? And, and I say, what kind of music? I know it's gospel music, but what is, what is different about your music? I really want the people who listen to my music to who participate in my concerts, who sing with me in the choirs, to one, understand the message behind the music. I don't want to force the message on anyone, but I make it a point uh, in my ministry that if you're going to sing with me, if you're coming to my events, you have to know what it is that I believe and what, why I'm so passionate about what I sing about. So we always make it a point to, because gospel music in Japan presently, thank God, uh, is a fad, but I don't want it to end there. Uh, there are a number of choirs that um, they have directors that are not believers. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, um, but it's a fad and it's cool, uh, but I don't want it to end there. And so I always make it my, it's my life work that people understand the reason behind the music. The reason I feel so passionately about it is because of Jesus and his love. And this gospel music changes lives. You know, in this country, there's, listen, Marlon, there's so many people that are hurting. Japan has the highest rate of suicide. I, I don't know if I should say this or not, but it's true. It's a fact. Japan has the highest rate of suicide in, in the world. And for such a successful nation, you know, the people, they work hard and, you know, they're really successful in the sciences, that business and all of that. And you know what that suicide rate tells me is that they are unfulfilled or there is loneliness or there is hurt. And I know the answer to that void. It is the love of Jesus. And so while I can't force it on them, I can, what I do, I would like to like myself to a chef, a gourmet chef that I prepare the meal and I make it look good. And I'm like, hey, this is amazing. You're hungry? Come, taste and see. He is good. So, um, you asked me what's different about my music. It's not just music. It's a ministry. And we're trying to touch lives and to let people know that they're not alone. It will get better. So that is, that is the whole driving force behind my ministry. Powerful stuff, powerful stuff. Now, how would you describe, if it's possible, <laughs> the impact mm. of your ministry both on your life and, of course, on the lives of those you minister unto? I should um, share with you then uh, a little bit more about the March 11 disasters. A couple years into establishing the ministry, 
we had just two choirs at the time, one in Sendai, one in Ishinomaki. We had about mm, 20, 30 members at the time. This was 10 years ago. I thought that the March 11 disasters had brought an end to my ministry or what I was trying to do here in Japan. I had recently opened a studio that we were teaching English, we were teaching gospel and trying to reach out, trying to grow the ministry. Like I said, this was my plan. <laughs> uh, but after the March 11 disasters, that all came to naught. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'm not too sure why you brought me here to put a, a full stop. I felt like God had just cleared everything down to the, to the foundation of what I had built. And I was livid to, to say it nicely. <laughs> I was like, Lord, I don't understand you. I really don't, you know? And let me tell you, Marlon, I've told you the end of the story before I told you the process, but you already know the, you know, the current situation where God has just blessed. And I like to think about where I was at that time and realize that, you know, when God clears things down to the foundation, it's because he's going to rebuild it much better. And so what I was, you know, trying to put together, God has taken it over and he has opened up the doors for me to touch so many more lives. And I refer to that particular point because it was a pivotal time for our ministry where the members were hurting after the March 11 disasters. They had lost their homes. They had lost their livelihood. They were hurting because they had lost loved ones. And that was pain that I cannot describe to you in words. The only thing I knew how to do was to pray for them and to sing with them. And they came and they sang and they wept. And it makes me emotional because it was a difficult time. But to see what God did through the music, where he touched those lives and he healed the people. And I'm telling you, they became like more powerful than me. They started planning their own workshops and sharing the gospel. And they're like, this stuff is good. And we have to let the people know about it. So your question originally was how did this ministry change the lives of those who I minister to? It has given them purpose. And otherwise, people that could have been broken by the bitter experiences of life, they have been given purpose. They are motivated. They're sharing the gospel themselves. And every time we take the stage, you know, when we stand before people to minister, we realize that there are needs physical, emotional, we realize that there are needs. And um, whenever we sing, we sing for the healing of those who are there or, you know, to, to touch those lives. As for me, how has it changed me? I've realized that this is not about me. And so God has been so good wherein he has provided me the opportunity to not just function as the leader of this choir or as the president of this company, but he has opened up many doors for me to step out in the public eye, in media. There is a program called Nodojiman the World that was a huge boost in my career. They invited me a few times to sing. And so through that program uh, that was hosted by the, formerly, the group formerly known as SMAP, their leader, his name is Mr. Nakai, but through that program, it was a, a paradigm shift. <laughs> I went from a couple of people knowing about me to, uh, yeah, <laughs> to God changing the, you know, the whole dynamic of my ministry. So even in that, I realized that it's not about me and God hasn't given me this platform for my benefit, it's so that I can reach more or reach others or more people for his purpose. Yes, I, I know you're being modest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
from a situation where you were, you were only known by a few people to a situation where you are like a household name, a staple in the Japanese market. Last week, someone asked me, uh, Marlon, do you know um, this Jamaican is into music? And readily, whenever someone asks you if you know this Jamaican, you think of Bob Marley, Harry Belafonte. So I meant, <laughs> no, 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 no. John, John Lucas. And I said, okay. I said, uh, I don't know him in, in that capacity, but I, I know a little about his ministry. So yes, Marlon also name here in Japan. Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. In our conversation, this one, I know you can answer easily because I, I'm sure you have been doing, doing it before. But in a conversation of someone who doesn't have much of an idea about Christianity or maybe doesn't believe in God, you know, what would you say to that person about God from your own experience? I've been blessed where I have had so many experiences in life where I could discover God for myself and rediscover him. And it's a daily process, like even through my daily devotion and daily prayers and stuff. In Japan, not many people have the legacy that we have at, in terms of being exposed to the stories of Jesus and you know, the Bible and Christianity and so forth. And so the playing field is totally different because we're talking about like Buddhism and ancestral worship and that kind of thing. The beautiful thing about gospel music is music is like a great denominator. Like what I'm saying is where someone would probably not want to hear like a sermon, a song will be a really effective tool. Music moves people. And I just love how the Holy Spirit moves through the music and touches those lives. And I like to tell people, this emotional reaction that you're having, that's God. That's the Holy Spirit. So it is very rare that I witness without my tool of music. But I love to tell people what they're feeling is the moving of God in their lives. And he's, he's saying, hey, I love you. I want to be a part of your life. And that is usually my my segue into telling people about the love of God. And, you know, there are so many schools of thought of evolutionism and all of that stuff. And, you know, I, I tell people to look outside, you know, and see the wind blow, you know. You see it? No. You feel it? Yes. Oh, you know it's there. Because you see the effects of it. Tell them that's kind of like how God's working in your life is. You don't see him, but you feel him. And you know he's there because you see his works. And so that's how I go about sharing the love of God through my music and through, you know, sharing my own experiences with people. Wonderful, wonderful. Earlier, when I started, I, I did say that you are multi-talented. Requires you sing, you host programs, and so many different things. Now, how do you, would say, balance? How do you find balance in your own life? What is your secret to maintaining that balance? To tell you the truth, it's very difficult um, because life is very demanding and it's very fast-paced. I am going to answer your question while saying something else. The past year and a half, to be exact, has been quite interesting because my life was really fast-paced. I mean, I would be on a plane, on a bullet train, basically every other day. And out of a month, if I'm home 10 days, that's a lot. So I really was on the go and moving, you know, at record speed every day, really hectic lifestyle. And God just really, you know, this whole Corona thing where you can't travel, you have to be on lockdown, that kind of thing. It was kind of a wake up call, positive thing in that I had a lot more time when you're extremely busy and moving, you know, all the time, sometimes you can't process as much. And so 
this whole corona thing has given me the 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 time that i needed to really rethink a lot of things and i know i'm veering off topic but i'm going to say it anyway <laughs> that you know in this whole crazy experience i had been living this life out of a suitcase for like 10 years and just on the go and so i don't think my life was well balanced i was really just working all the time i think god realized that i needed to slow down i was kind of too busy trying to serve him and so he slowed my life down a bit gave me a little more time for devotion with him and in that closer walk with him he opened my eyes to the fact that he was providing a help meet for me that i didn't realize that i was so desperately in need of and uh just last month i got married in this crazy corona season <laughs> i got married and let me tell you this is the best thing that could have ever happened i just about given up on marriage cuz i was too busy for that and you know there was no time to really make any of those connections so corona is bad i'm not you know rejoicing for that but i'm saying that like god has done repeatedly in my life through the storms he has provided a silver lining and so yeah getting married has helped me find the balance cuz if you you leave it up to me I'll work all the time but she's not having that so, <laughs> um he has provided me with the help me that I needed to find the balance and finally after a whole 360 I've answered your question <laughs> yes well you see if I had planned to ask that question <laughs> it would not come <laughs> god really and truly does have a sense of humor and there does Incidentally, I also went to Northern Caribbean University, and at awesome. my the guest speaker was uh, Leechin, the owner of National Commercial Bank, and he did share what was a Chinese proverb, of course, in English, that crisis produces opportunity. Saying to us, you know, always look for that opportunity. That was after he shared how he got started into business. So for you, coronavirus provided an opportunity. We know it's a crisis. We are not. as you just mentioned we're we're not saying it's anything good but even amidst all of this chaos god has provided an opportunity for you to would say take your ministry to a higher level yes uh what advice would you give to someone who's looking to follow in, in your footsteps as it relates to raising ministry and maybe particularly being a gospel recording artist i cannot boast any accolades that anybody would want to follow in my footsteps really it has just been a whole process of me learning to let go and let god really but if i could offer advice if any it would be to learn to listen to god's voice i cannot say that um just blanketly but uh in my own christian experience I find myself praying sometimes very frustrated prayers I'm like lord what are you saying <laughs> what do you want me to do but really and truly in the still small voice and you look for the evidences in your life he is guiding and he is opening those doors and he is closing the doors that need to be closed and he is opening the doors that need to be opened So anybody who is interested in doing ministry I say learn to hear God's voice and how we do that is through daily connection with him read your bible in the mornings spend time in prayer and the children's song is so um so true I don't know if you remember this if you're old enough to remember this read your bible pray every day you will grow 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 don't read your bible and forget to pray you will shrink 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 it's so true um so spend time with god the only way to know him is to spend time with him in spending time with him 
that's when we'll hear his voice. It's not always clear. I cannot profess to always be able to hear his voice clearly, but seek and you will find. If you knock, the door will be opened. I'll also like to add that I like to do a thing that I call active prayer, uh, especially as a busy person, you know, at the end of a very long day. You, you might find yourself uh, falling asleep in the midst of prayer. <laughs> so uh, I don't know uh, if anybody else has struggles with that, but I do a thing that I call active prayer. And some people may find it a little bit uh, crazy, but I write my prayers. It's semi-journaling, semi-prayer. And my wife is quite alarmed at the amount of paper that I have around me. But I tend to write my prayers or my prayer requests. And I do this thing that I start a new piece of paper, or sometimes it's a board or something, but it divided into, or a couple sections. Uh, one section is prayer requests. Another section is prayer of thanks. Another section is uh, prayer for others. You know, those kinds of things. There are sections to it, and I put uh, something in it each day that I pray, the people that I'm praying for. I look at the names, I call on them, I touch them. It's very active, very involved. And that has kind of opened up my experience with God in a very real way where I can see the things that I'm praying for. And whenever something is answered, um, I highlight it or change the color. And it's very, it's visual. I'm a visual person. So um, that helps me. This kind of prayer is segueing into my advice for musicians. We need to document our life experiences we have nothing if not our experiences in life, especially those rough points where God has seen us through. I can tell you I've written some of the best music in the darkest times. And God tends to fill those experiences with that emotional charge that is required for writing music that moves people. So even those those prayers that I have written out or um, the things that I've documented. I remember I refer to this experience a lot because it was such a huge part of my, you know, my Japan experience. The March 11 disasters. At one point, Marlon, it became so toxic in my body where all the pain, all the frustration, seeing all the devastation, I did not know how to channel it. And so I just took up pen and paper. I, I think I had a book and I wrote a couple books full. I just wrote it out, like all that I had seen, all that I had lost, everything. And in rereading it, the melody came to mind. And I just started to see the verses, like the, the, the experience started to form into the verses of a song. And I heard a melody in my head. And I wrote a song called Keep Hope Alive. And that's a song that became the, the main uh, track on my album after the disasters. So, yeah, sorry, I'm a little long-winded. But <laughs> those experiences that we have uh, as a musician, somebody who wants to go into to music, I say document your life experiences and use those to, to fuel your music. All right. So my final question, it's a bit long-winded, sort of twofold. You have produced at least one album. I, I will give you the opportunity to say how many. What is next on the horizon in terms of your ministry? And also, where can our listeners find you? Because I know, I'm sure you have your own website and you would be on the different digital platforms. So please share what is on the horizon and also where can or listeners may contact with you? Uh, through God's grace, over the years, I've released about five albums and one book. And uh, the book is about my, my journey here in Japan and about the ministry. And those life experiences that I talked about it, in each album, uh, it depicts basically my whole journey here, not just in Japan, but my Christian walk with God. 
If you search for John Lucas or John Lucas Gospel, you'll be able to find me on just about all social media platforms. I have a website, and these days I'm putting a lot of effort into my YouTube channel, where I release the YouTube-based monthly program called The Gospel Call, where I'm introducing not only my music, but the music of upcoming gospel artists, and talking a lot about uh, what's happening here in the gospel scene in Japan and around the world, and also using the opportunity to share the gospel message. So definitely check out uh, my YouTube channel. And if you're interested in my music, it's always available on iTunes, also my website. So check and share and like and do all the good stuff online. John Lucas, John Lucas Gospel. What's next on the horizon, I think, was the second part of your question. I'm open to what God has in store for me because I'm 41. I came to Japan at 21, so it's been 20 years. And uh, I'm just excited to see what God has next. To be really honest with you, the past year was rather challenging because my kind of work requires us to meet people. Um, And so being on lockdown and not able to go out to meet my people at concerts, at events, at even classes have been really difficult. We've been trying to move online. The Online Gospel College is one particular project that I've been working a lot on recently. So what next is a bit of a challenge, but I'm trusting God. And like I said before, whenever he clears you know, things down to the foundation, I get excited. I'm nervous because I have to go through the process of of watching things get cleared away. I'm like, Lord, 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 <laughs> seriously, are, are you serious? <laughs> but learning to trust him through the process, then I also get a little bit excited because I know he's coming with something bigger and greater. Um, what next? Um, I need to learn to balance this work-life balance because my wife won't be having all this work, (laughs) but work-life balance. What next? This new project that we started last year through the uh, corona situation where we've taken the ministry online, the online gospel college. Uh, It's not just gospel we are offering. It's literally a college because we're offering voice training and gospel classes. And we have a language lab in which we teach English and Spanish and Japanese for foreigners who want to learn Japanese. And so we're offering quite a few courses and it's an amazing package. So I want to grow that ministry even more. And the beautiful thing about it is that where we had to worry about location and people having access, it has removed all of that. And Now there are people who are able to come who, we have a lady who is participating from Thailand and she's overseas. So, you know, the whole issue of location and access has been turned on its head because we have this worldwide web at our fingertips. So I'm looking forward to growing that ministry, uh, to releasing more music, this whole life experience with Corona and marriage and perhaps fatherhood in my near future. I don't know. (laughs) That's bound to (laughs) be (laughs) some good music. So uh, stay tuned for some more good music. Amen. It's about trusting God through the process. You know, you have your own plans, but you are just leaving them for God to take care of. We have been speaking with John Lucas Barrett, our guest today, the singer, songwriter, gospel artist, gospel director, personality model, reporter, and stage producer. And of course, we can't leave out the fact that he's the host of the Gospel Call, creator of the online Gospel College, and president of JL Ministries, LLC. Now, John Lucas, just before we go, do you have any parting words for our listeners? Well, we talked about so much today, and it was really great conversation. Thank you so much, Marlon, for the opportunity to share my story. And I really hope that the people who uh, have listened in have been blessed. 
you know, my very simple story, but I hope that they have been able to relate to certain things that I've shared. Uh, my parting words, if anyone out there uh, is half as stubborn as I am, <laughs> I would like to just encourage uh, them to learn from what I have experienced. It is to let go and let God. I think that is the whole theme of this um, testimony that I've given today, to learn to let go and to let God. And another thing is, you know, when we pray, I watched a, a really interesting meme online the other day, is that when we pray, we ask God to rescue us. And the meme was a shepherd rescuing a sheep. And as soon as he got rescued, he ran right back and jumped into the ditch. <laughs> I'm encouraging us as Christians or as believers to learn to let go and let God. And when we pray and ask him to rescue us, don't take up the problems. Don't jump back down into the ditch. Leave them in God's hands. That's what I would like to end the conversation with this evening. Okay, you have been tuned to The Upward Way. Do join us again next week as we'll have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. Until then, I'm Marlon Walters saying goodbye. May God bless you. Keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. No matter if the dark clouds come, just keep hope alive. And even when the storms and trials blow, that toss you to and fro. Don't stop believing, keep hope alive. Just keep hope alive. We started our day, we worked and we played. Juggling chores like any other day. But in a moment of madness, our joy turned to sadness. As the earth shook, the sea roared. And fires blazed Where do we go from here? Can you see your tears? Keep hope alive Keep hope alive You've been listening to the Upward Way Podcast the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.